0: Raise the bar on health and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. Support? All right, you're dispersed throughout the room. Very good. Well, for those of you who haven't, welcome. My name is Andrea. I'm the director of the detox department here at the Yoga Barn, And we come together every Monday night to start to think critically about health. And a lot of the work that I do as a naturopathic doctor is to empower people to take their health back into their own hands and to start to live in a way that's focused around healthy, balanced, living. So how many of you feel that you already (laughs) prioritize your health? That's quite a few of you, very good, very good. And how many of you would say that you give a lot to other people? Significantly less, (laughs) that's interesting. Okay. And those people who raise their hand both times, do you find that sometimes you give too much to other people and not enough to yourself? All right, Bill's here with us. Yeah. A few of you. Yeah, good. So that's what we tend to do, and that doesn't have to be giving to other people. It can be giving to work. Yeah, who gives a lot to work? I don't get a lot of 9-to-5 people in here, but yeah. Yeah, sometimes we tend to tip the scales. I can tell you that I did that really clearly for my first two years here at the yoga barn, right? working in a yoga studio. I work in the health industry, and yet there were times where I was working 15-hour days for months on end, and that's not sustainable and that's not healthy. And so a lot of the work that I do, and I always teach people, right, and I have to apply in my life, even though there are other demands, is reprioritizing. And if I could leave you with one idea, or one concept, or one thought, it would be to reprioritize your life. Reprioritize your life around your health, because when that happens, you're able to actually do anything at all. Anything you could ever dream of It's within your power because you have your health. We call it the greatest wealth. Health is the greatest wealth. You've heard that. And so what we do in in learning how to heal uh, from the perspective that I have, which is natural medicine, is coming back to understanding the signals and the messages that our body is always sending us. And starting to actually listen and respond in a way where you're working on the same team as your body. Because quite often we tend to work against the body's natural impulses or urges. See? Um, awesome. That's, that's an agreement if I've ever heard one. We <laughs> have okay, Les Leventhal's yoga teacher training upstairs. We'll wait till I finish a beautiful way to open our space together. I always start these lectures with exposing my like biases. I find it really, really important that someone who's up here speaking for an hour's time has probably some ideas, some opinions, and I'm no exception to that. <laughs> And so I choose to simply show them to you at the very beginning. And so as I mentioned, I'm a naturopathic doctor. In practice, I really go to the roots of natural medicine, to something called natural hygiene, which is indeed the precursor to modern day natural medicine. And natural hygiene uses fasting as the backbone of understanding for everything it does. Through the process of fasting, through not taking in solid fibrous matter, all of a sudden our body is able to reset and restart and rejuvenate. We have some people in the room who are on our three-day foundation cleanse program, and they're on day one of a fast, right? We also have some alumni from our seven-day detox retreat last month, right? So if you guys have questions or you're scared about fasting, these people have not only survived it, but they're better off for it. And I think they would agree for that, yeah. So fasting is a whole nother topic. I often give lectures just on fasting, so you can come back for that anytime. Uh, to start to learn about what happens in the body when when you go into a fast. But essentially, it's a transfer of energy, where the energy no longer goes to digestion, and digestion can take up to 70% of all available energy, and instead that energy goes to healing and cleansing at a cellular level. And that's the stuff that I'm interested in, because today we have way too much toxic onslaught, we have way too much lack of elimination, Right, from our natural system to And so we're left, of course, with a buildup inside the body on all levels, not only the physical, also the mental, the emotional, right? And so I, I kind of tangented off from my, my biases, my introduction. But that's natural medicine at its roots. And the thesis, if there were one for natural medicine, is the understanding that the body can heal itself that's not something you were taught in school. The body has the full capability to heal itself you just have to let it. Right. So my other biases definitely have to do with healing. Uh, I have a Master's of Science in Ethnobotany and that's the study of the relationship between people and plants. And my specialty in that is Gastroethnobotany, the study of food plants. Yeah, what Plants people use usually to maintain health and to heal all over the world. Yeah. So that has to do somewhat with nutrition. I've also studied under Dr. Colin G. Campbell of Cornell University in looking at dietary change epidemiologically. So over the world, when populations change their diet, quite often we see an ensuing rise in disease because of the certain dietary factors that have been changed. And so I tend to put all these things together. I also put it together with my clinical practice as a career colon hydrotherapist. And I'm director of our awesome, super awesome colonics clinic here at the Yoga Barn. And uh, we have an awesome staff of therapists. And colonics, which I think I'll talk to you more about at the end, it's releasing matter from the large intestine, the lower bowel, the colon, those are all the same thing. And this release is something so integral to living as a healthy human in the world of today, right? So, did I cover all my biases? Let's see, I do a lot of other things too, like teach yoga. You can come tomorrow, I'm teaching 11 a.m. yin. Come and join me for that. We can talk medically about fascia and connective tissue and stuff like that. For uh, diagnosis principles, I work in the areas of reflexology, Chinese medicine, as well as iridology, the study of the iris of the eyes, and I think Maybe in two weeks' time, we're trying to plan out these Monday night lectures a little far in advance now. So maybe in two weeks' time or something, I'm going to do a lecture on iridology so you guys can come to that and learn about iris diagnosis. Super amazing technique. But tonight, drum roll please, the theme will be, welcome, no problem. The theme will be talking about the systems of elimination inside of the body. Yeah? And I tend to give this lecture when we're talking about a need or lack thereof, of detoxification, a need for detoxification. There was a news article in uh, a very famous British news journal about almost a year ago now that said, essentially, detoxification is a heap of poo. A meaner word for poo. (laughs) Yeah? And did anyone read this article? It was by The Guardian. It said that detoxification (laughs) is a load of BS, essentially. And that all of these detox programs today uh, aren't really well founded in things like this. And I, I read through the article several times. I only had probably 15 people send it to me from all over the world saying, hey, you should reply. What do you think? And things like that. And I said, I said no, I'm, I'm not going to reply to that. They made a lot of good points in the article, actually. Certain things like saying that all of these detoxification packages, have you seen them? They're for sale. It's like 1995. Lose 20 pounds in three days. And... Yeah, things like this. Look what came out of your colon. I hold up a big rope and things like that. Quite often those packages, whereas they're using plants quite often, they're, they're well intended, but they're putting in a lot of stuff, things like psyllium husk, things like bentonite clay, and other additives which collect and create that rope that you see. Uh-huh. So that, look what came out of my colon. It's actually what they put in during that time. But anyway, they also talked about colon hydrotherapy in the article, and unfortunately, it's really hard for me as a colon hydrotherapist because what we practice here on a gravity system, what's called Woods method colon hydrotherapy, is drastically different than most other styles of colonics in the world. And so, I don't advocate for colonics at large. In fact, I don't think that anyone should get a colonic ever from a machine like having a garden hose up your bum, right? But what we do here is very gentle, very intentional, and very different. And so if you've gotten a colonic here and you've gotten it elsewhere, quite often people say, wow, this is so different. Or I have clients all the time say, geez, I never thought, I never understood colonics could be like this. This is amazing, right? Or if you're going to get a colonic here, I can tell you that this is, you're in a really good place, (laughs) yeah? So in talking about uh, this article, They're saying that the body has built within it already, natural systems of detoxification. And with those natural systems, there's no need to go on and do any kind of intensive detoxification program beyond that, which is a great argument, I love it. However, the thing is today that our body's natural systems of detoxification actually aren't working as well as they need to be. And so that's what we'll investigate together tonight in looking through these systems of elimination. All right, so if you had to guess, shout them out. There are four or five main systems of elimination. This is your pop quiz. Can you guess what they are? The skin. yes. Number one. Huh? liver. OK, so that's an internal one, yeah? It is our main detoxifying organ. But we're looking at elimination outside of the body, so systems of elimination from in to out, kind of like the skin, which is the largest organ in the body. So let's start there, and then you can think about it, and when I ask again, you'll have the answer. All right, so the skin, awesome. Starting with the skin, we see indeed, as I just said, this is the largest organ in the body. Can I skin, everyone? It's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. This is the porous boundary between our inside world and our outside world. It's also something that reflects our health at the greatest degree, because health starts deep inside. And if there's something that's unsatisfied or perhaps undetoxified deep inside, then that will radiate out through the skin, yeah? I wish someone told me 10, 20 years ago that if anything comes out anywhere else in your body through the skin, it's coming out there because it's not coming out the colon, right? So I just gave you another answer. Main system of elimination, number one system of elimination, is indeed the large intestine. The lower bowel, the colon, those are all the same thing, okay? And so this is where most things are supposed to come out. Okay? But let's talk about the skin since that was where we started. The skin indeed is always exchanging water to and from with the environment. And so literally, you are actually absorbing water from the environment, especially if you find that inside you're dehydrating. But more perhaps obvious to you as a human being living on this earth is losing water to the environment. So who sweat recently? Oh, I love those hands. Yeah, we're in Bali. Even though it's winter and we're cold, we tend to sweat perhaps more parts of your body than others, hands and feet, armpits, neck, area, wherever. Right, there are areas where your body releases water more than others, and it's not just water that's inside sweat of course as we know there are lots of natural mineral salts that come from inside that's released and guess what any kind of toxicity that's soluble in that way can also be released through the skin and so this is a great way for the body to detoxify so in general i would say that humans sweat maybe slightly below average those of you who are athletes maybe you're above average but most humans the modern world today, what are they doing? Working. They're working. They're locked in an air conditioning cubicle, nine to five, typing at their desk, not doing anything that would require them to sweat. So if we're looking at performance levels, the average human today is definitely underperforming in terms of sweating through the skin, all right? So yes, for sure, we have this natural detoxification pathway of allowing things to leave the body through the skin, however, we're not using it as well as we could be. So this is indeed an encouragement to you guys. At least five times a week, if not every single day, I want you to break a sweat. All right, and I rarely give homework, so. I want you to break a sweat. And you can do that however you want. Right? You can do that through running with your dog in the park. You can do that through playing with your kids. You can do that through putting on your favorite music in your house and having a dance party. Right? You can do that through jumping jacks, a hundred of them. You can do that through making love. You can do it through sports. You can do it however you want. Right? Yoga class. And just break a sweat about five times a week at least. Okay? So that's number one assignment. But we're not done with this organ, this pathway of elimination of the skin also does a lot more. Have you ever seen dead skin cells? Yeah, and of course we know on the face, especially the chest, the back, maybe the skin has the capability to push out pockets of pussy toxicity. So certain things like this we'll have to talk about next. In terms of dead skin cells, this is definitely a way that the body sheds, just like a snake would shed its skin, right? Similar to how a furred animal would shed its coat. right? we let go of what we don't need as the body regenerates new. And the body has an amazing capacity to regenerate itself. This is part of that thesis that I mentioned at the beginning, that the body has the ability to heal itself. Has anyone ever had a cut or a scrape or a burn? What happened about one week, two weeks, a few months after that cut, scrape, or burn, it closed. It was gone. There was some kind of regeneration of tissue right, where the body healed itself. This is kind of the, the closest way that we can see the body healing itself is through a, a cut or a scrape, right? Especially if you just simply allow it to be over time, the body will put new layers of skin from the bottom up, yeah, until we have a closed surface and it has healed from inside out. And so that's a law in natural medicine that all healing always happens from the inside out, right? So when we look here at the skin, this could indeed be the last thing that heals. And that could be really frustrating for some of you, especially if you're on a healing journey and you find that you're breaking out all over your face because your body is detoxifying at such a rapid pace that you can't get it out through the other channels of elimination, so it comes out through the skin. But remember, this will be the last and the final thing to heal. And that when you are, I mean, no one's ever healed fully, but when you're at a state of balance, right, where you are emanating a certain field of health, the skin will also reflect that. Yeah? All right. So we were talking about dead skin cells. When we lose these dead skin cells, it's awesome. However, we tend not to lose them as much as we should because we're quite, uh, let's say, moisturized. In the world of today, who uses skin moisturizer? Okay. I got mostly women. There. <laughs> so this is my skin moisturizer. Yeah, it's it's water, and I take it internally because the moisture inside will be reflected always by the moisture outside. You guys can drink too. Any excuse to drink. And so we find that when we have a well-hydrated internal system that we'll never actually need moisturizer or chapstick or conditioner or anything in the body because it's coming from inside. Does that make sense? But with that said as well, we have to understand that when the body is releasing dead skin cells, we actually need quite a natural scrub to remove them fully. So has anyone ever had a body scrub? I highly recommend it, you can do it at any Balinese spa, It makes you feel totally reborn, completely different. There's also something called a lymphatic brush, which we'll branch over as we talk about the lymphatic system, but it's a dry bristle brush, a Cecil brush, they originally come from Japan, that you can run over your extremities to not only make the lymph fluid flow and detoxify more in the body, but also to get rid of dead skin cells. Yeah, really great way to help further this natural detoxification pathway. As you can see, putting moisturizer on top is just going to keep the dead skin cells there with an attempt to rehydrate them and kind of try to make them live again. You can you see that? Can't, can't see that. Not that good at resurrecting. So the other thing about the skin is that um, I, this is the last little point I'll put in, it has to do with the the first part about sweating, but certain kinds of toxicity in the body is actually fat soluble and it's only able to be sweat out. And so we have here at the yoga barn the far infrared saunas and, and that's, you know, a sauna is a great thing to detoxify, heats you up internally and allows for detoxification through the skin. However, certain particular kind of saunas are different than other ones, like a steam sauna, a Northern European sauna is quite a superficial kind of sweat, so it's just heating at an external level in the body. What we have here, as I mentioned, the far infrared sauna, it's a really deep heating inside. I told the cleansers this morning, it's like you're radiating from inside. An hour after you have the sauna, you could still be hot. And because of that, those fat-soluble toxins will be able to escape through the skin, through your sweat, all right? So that could be perhaps equivalent to living on the equator and working or walking outside in midday heat and sun. But that's not something that the normal man does today. Yeah, even if we're out the equator, we escape into air conditioning in midday to beat the heat. And so that kind of heat, intentionally, is a really beneficial way as well to jumpstart our body's own detoxification systems. Alright, so there's a lot more that could be said about the skin. Um, I'll mention again that any kind of acne or rash, especially things like psoriasis, this is a direct reflection of your inner skin, the intestines. Alright, and so if you're getting a rash, ask yourself, what do I eat? Do I notice that certain things, when I eat them, my skin is worse or better? Do I notice that when I get a rash or when I have habitual psoriasis or anything like this, It's because I'm eating certain allergens of today, and we're not talking about food today, but I'll briefly mention them. Things like gluten, yeah? So wheat flour, commercial wheat flour. It's a really big allergen. Things like corn, which goes along with that. Soy, right? Certainly dairy. Certain members of plant families, the solanaceae family. These are irritants that people often go through life not realizing that they irritate them and they keep eating them, and they don't understand what this skin rash is, and then they go through some certain period, like a fasting program, where they're not eating anything, and their body is able to regulate itself, come back to balance, and then after that, they can do some food experimentation, taking in certain things and noticing, hey, when I ate that, my psoriasis came back. I found the problem, I found the cause of the problem. Does that make sense? So that's a really powerful way to use your own body as a diagnostic tool. Awesome. All right, so we'll move on from the skin. Who can name another pathway of elimination? Breathing. Yay, thank you, Bill. All right, everyone, let's take a deep breath, ready? Ah, The breath, definitely a main major pathway of elimination. How often, however, today do you breathe like that? Ah, Does anyone do that every hour of the day? Every minute, ah, how are you today? Ah, I'm great, really nice to see you. Where do you want to go for lunch? Ah. <laughs> Let's walk it off, ah. right? No, we, do, we simply don't do that. What do we do? We breathe very shallowly. There's data that shows that human beings today breathe into 20% of our lung tissue. And this is a frontier of yoga and medicine, which thankfully are finally crossing paths. Right, that's the field that I'm in, yoga and medicine. And in this cross of paths, I'm excited because I'm, I'm on the, the cutting edge doing a lot of research now on the muscle of the lungs, right? the ability to actually build lung capacity. And of course, when we take a deep breath, everyone, let's do it again. Keep inhaling and exhale. Mm. When you do that, do you feel how you feel right now? Can you hear the change in my voice? Something happens in the body, something shifts. It has specifically to do with the central nervous system, with the two parts of the nervous system, this relaxation response and the flight or fight mode, right are the parasympathetic and the sympathetic part of the autonomic nervous system respectively. These are what dictate most things in our life, believe it or not. It's that simple. It's if we're stressed, or feel relaxed. And most people today are stressed, yeah. And even if it's not acute stress, like, oh my God, I just broke up with my boyfriend, or, oh my God, I'm gonna lose my job, or I don't have enough money to feed my kids, right? Those are acute stresses. Even if it's just like, this is really bad traffic, or I feel really uncomfortable on this bus, there's so many people around me. Those are minor stresses that we're always experiencing in life. And stresses can even be, oh my goodness, there's so much going on on Facebook. How can I catch up with all of it? (laughs) That that result is the stress in the human body. Hearing certain sounds can put us into stress mode. And so yes, in the 21st century world, we are way too overly in that stress mode. The biggest gift that I could ever give anyone as a yoga teacher is the understanding of the switch from stress to relaxation. Have you guys experienced that in yoga class? Yeah, Perhaps after Shavasana you feel like blissful and calm and peaceful and that's why you go back to yoga class. And so I teach my students on yoga teacher trainings that that indeed is the biggest gift that they could ever give. To teach someone how to go from stressed to relaxed. And all it takes, believe it or not, is 10 deep breaths. This relaxed, full breath is what keeps us centered. It's what keeps us calm. And since you're all yogis here at the yoga barn, I'll let you know that it's also what keeps you fully in the practice of yoga. That's the difference between vinyasa flow and gymnastics. The fact that we're so present and calm and centered in and around our breath. And the moment that you get beyond your breath and you lose your breath in your yoga practice, that's the moment that you're no longer practicing yogasana and you're practicing gymnastics. Because the nervous system is such an integral part of the practice. And anyone who's ever done challenging poses, you'll know that if you're going you'll never get the pose. But if you can breathe fully in the pose and relax while you're in it, you've found the key to unlock the secrets of yoga asana. So that's in terms of the breath and the regulation that it has on the entire body because by virtue of the nervous system switching into the relaxation response, all of the chemical signaling in the body will change. The endocrine system, our glandular system, which is always secreting hormones, right, tells us when to be scared, when to be happy, when to be sleepy, when to be horny, when to be hungry, when to be satisfied and fulfilled in our life. Right? Those hormonal signaling patterns are dictated by our nervous system and vice versa. And so as we take a deep breath to calm down, we're actually getting happier, and more peaceful, right? and more satisfied and balanced on a chemical level in the body. And so there's tons of research out now on meditation, and how meditation is linked to not only health, but psychological balance. How meditation is linked to good digestion, how meditation is linked to getting the job that you want, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Go into uh, like PubMed. You know, PubMed, if any of you are scholars or doctors, it's a published medical journal articles. If you go and you search meditation today, you'll find so much. And it's incredible that this research is being done. But that doesn't mean that it has to be seated uh, meditation, right? It can be meditation. As you're standing up, sitting down, washing dishes, talking to a friend, as long as you're consciously aware of this body that your spirit is living in this lifetime, as long as you're consciously aware of the breath, which holds within it prana, vital life force energy, that's coming in and out of your body at all times, like right now are you inhaling or exhaling? Did you know? Did you change when I asked? Were you thinking about it? Were you consciously aware? the more that you can bring your conscious awareness to your physiological state of being, the more centered and balanced you will always be because that's bringing meditation into your waking, living life. All right, so that's perhaps a little tangent on balance. But on a macroscopic level, we'll say that the breath is definitely one of our main detoxifying pathways. All right, so let's do it again, one more time. Because, obviously, what comes out when you exhale? I'll take you back to when you were 10 years old in school. Thank you. Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, that's the waste product of the human body. When we inhale, we're taking in atmospheric gas, right? We would oversimplify it and call it oxygen, when indeed it's like less than 20% of the air today is actually oxygen. It is hydrogen, nitrogen, lots of other things in the gas that we breathe in. Right? Oxygen is just the part of it that we want to use for our body's regulating systems. Oxygen then goes and floods every cell in the body and then comes back in the form of our body's waste product, carbon dioxide, okay? CO2. Right? One atom of carbon and one of oxygen. And so as we exhale, for sure, we are exhaling out our body's waste. Cellular metabolism is a microscopic thing, so we won't get too much into that. Maybe that can be an up-level, come back for a few weeks, and then I can teach more of an advanced class. But there's another thing that happens when we breathe as well, and this is what's really fascinating, I'm sure, for many of you. As of about maybe eight months ago now, there was a study that was published showing that when we lose weight and we lose fat cells, that we don't poop them out, we don't even sweat them out, we actually Breathe them out, right? so as you exhale, you're releasing excess fat cells. It's been converted into a form of carbon dioxide that can leave the body, and that's super fascinating. I think that Kanayama yoga Breathing, which is an amazing class, Thursday at 1pm, I think it should be advertised as a weight loss class. But through these yogic arts, these sciences of learning how to control our physiology, we can take home really tools. I love subbing pranayama, I love teaching pranayama, because all of a sudden I get to empower people to learn tools, very realistic tools that you can use in your everyday life. Do you want to learn one? You want to learn one now? All right, what should we do? We'll do shikali. This is is one of my favorite breaths. I use it in, in the sauna when it's really hot. It's rounding the tongue, so tipping in the two edges of the tongue. Genetically, some of you can't do this, right? Making that O shape with your tongue and then breathing in and out your mouth. That has a physiological response of cooling down the body. Some of you might need it right now. Some of you might not, but that's all you do. You breathe like that for like five minutes or so and you'll notice a big shift in your body. And it has to do with the signaling, it has to do with the nasal and the oral passageway, it has to do with how the air comes in, and it's, it's a cooling effect. There are also heating effects that we can have, one of my favorite pranayams, Bastrika, bellows breath, right? This is a forceful inhalation, forceful exhalation, and that definitely has a heating effect on the body. So you guys will have to come to one of my yoga classes for that, because you need proper warm-up before doing it, right? But just like that, we can learn how to be hot, how to be cold, how to be happy, how to be calm, right? How to make ourselves drowsy so we can fall asleep. And this is all in the yogic sciences, right? So do check out Pranayama at a, another state in time. We also have a whole other version of what we call kriyas in yoga. Kriya is a cleansing technique, yeah? Cleansing technique, the yogic sciences of cleansing. And so today... Some yoga teachers aren't educated at a traditional enough level, and so they don't know what's a kriya and what's a pranayama. So, for example, one of the common kriyas, which is Kapalabhati. You guys have probably done it before. It's one of the most common practices employed in class today. They'll call it a pranayama a breathing exercise, but actually it's a cleansing exercise. It's forceful exhalations and passive inhalations, all done in and out through the nose. That's a really good way to detoxify. Right? So maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're sitting there meditating first thing because there's a little yogi and you're in your bed and just go ahead and take 20 or 25 rounds of All Right, And see how you go. See how you feel afterwards. Right? Perhaps you feel a little more less toxic. So the yogic world can teach us a whole incredible science of detoxifying through the breath we have this the forefront of yoga and medicine where we are able to control our physiology through paying attention to our breath or simply through taking more deep breaths and then over here we have the whole scientific method of understanding the carbon dioxide elimination and understanding that certain things like fat cells are eliminated through the breaths other kind of toxins, especially air-based toxin, right, so if you breathe in toxic chemical, you can also breathe out toxic chemical, all of that can be done through simply breathing more. And when we see this whole spectrum, we see that there's a lot more room for improvement. All right, so in this second mode or pathway of elimination in the body, we've been through the skin, now we're here at the breath, we found that yes, indeed, we underperform. We do not use our full capability or capacity to breathe and detoxify naturally through our breath as much as we could. All right, so we're two for two, or whatever the score would be in sports. Yeah? As far as releasing toxins, would you, does it make a difference if you're exhaling from this inhale through the nose if you exhale you can exhale through either traditionally in yoga we breathe in and out of the nose because it it, uh, inundates the calm part of our being Mm -hmm. yeah mouth breathing is in um, associated with the sympathetic nervous system the flight or fight stress response and you can think of this like if you're running really hard afterwards you'll be like Right, which is not like a dog. A dog is doing something else. They're actually panting to sweat through their skin. Dogs only sweat through the paws and the skin, so it's quite a different physiological system. But in humans, when we're breathing through the mouth, it's quite often a stress response. Awesome. All right, you guys can save all other questions to the end because we have a few more pathways of elimination to get through before we finish. So name the next one. Yes. Urine, awesome. So this is a very, let's say, questioned pathway of elimination. It's actually not fully understood because we have here two exits at the bottom, right? We have the water exit and we have the waste exit. And so our urine is normally one of the main five pathways of elimination, but certain practices, uh, I won't get too deep, but there's something called auto-urine therapy, which any of you have been to India, you might have heard of. It has to do with healing through drinking your own urine. And this is something, believe it or not, that I have quite a bit of experience with. And it's something that I I actually believe in a lot. And it's a whole science in and of itself. There's a book called The Water of Life. I recommend you read it if you're interested. Again, we can do an up-level lecture in a few weeks if you guys keep coming back. But in general, the theory is that actually the urine, uh, as we know, it's going to be composed mostly of water. Yeah, urine's about 90% or more water, And it's releasing water from your body. It's definitely also going to be releasing any excess minerals from your body. So if you were to actually drink your urine, you would notice that it tends to be a bit salty. Urine is also going to get rid of any kind of water-soluble vitamins that you've overdone or overtaken in. So have you ever heard of, if you take your multivitamin, all you're doing is giving yourself expensive urine? Yeah, things like that. Your body's going to get rid of certain things like that through that water pathway. And then it's also uh, a place where we can see any kind of bacterial infection for sure in the urinary pathway, as well as what the body's releasing through that fluid channel. But most of the body's waste elimination, because that's like overdrive, that's like when the body had too much of something or when the body's trying to get rid of its own like mineral recycling or something like that, it goes through the urine. But in terms of waste, In terms of the things that are processed every day, in terms of things that actually weren't digested in our body, if those are proteins, right, if they were sugars, whatever they were, if they weren't digested, that's going to come out canal number two, right? That's going to come out through the stool. And so I'm going to take this suggestion to talk about both the urinary system of elimination as well as the colon, the large intestine, right? This is the lower bowel. This is our principal main number one system of elimination this is where most of the waste in the body is supposed to exit it's the rubbish bin you see that and we're putting stuff in all the time but quite often we're not letting stuff go as often as we're putting stuff in and so those of you who have been to my lectures before you know very well that i tell as many people as i can that actually we're supposed to be pooping once per meal per day and so if you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that means you should be pooping breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Makes sense, right? Something comes in, something goes out, just like babies, just like dogs. Any natural living, really, I would say human or thing on this planet today, animal included, should be eliminating as frequently as they're taking in. And that's just simple matter. Right? Something comes and it goes. And so that's a newsflash, I know, to many of you. You should be eliminating quite often. And so I've just expanded for most of you a road for the future to travel on. And please allow it to be something that kind of sits in your mind and allows you, gives you permission to go to the toilet even when you don't feel you have to. And give yourself that chance to eliminate. Because how many of you, I'll ask, all right, so be brave. Any proud three poopers in here? Anyone who poops once per meal per day? Hallelujah. There we go. All right. We got a few of them. We'll give them a round of applause. Very good. Never thought you'd be applauded for such a right? Okay. Okay. So those people obviously have a secret. It's not, it's not such an unobvious secret. It has a lot to do with hydration. Yeah, And this brings us back to the urinary channel of elimination. Because if we don't have the water running through us, then we can't have anything to wash out. Yeah? So it's really important that we always have the water running through us so that our cells can charge and recharge right, this ionic exchange of minerals and toxicity to wash it out through the body. And a lot of the water that we drink does actually get absorbed later on. And the colon, the large intestine, is a big absorber of the water from the food that we're eating. Right? And so the colon is always absorbing water, but when there's not enough water there, stuff gets to be dry. And as it's dry, I give people the analogy of like a rubber tube with a rock inside. And you try to move the rock down the tube and it's really difficult to move it. But then all of a sudden you pour some water in and all of a sudden the rock slides through. This is your colon, right? The rock is your poo, although I hope your poo isn't as hard as a rock. And then all of a sudden you have your bowels moving more frequently simply when you're hydrated. Yes, another excuse to drink. I won't throw my bottle tap across the room, to Three liters of water is the amount that our body loses per day simply by waking up. And so what that means is that we have to take that much in as a minimum to replenish what we've lost. And so three liters is four of these bottles so you can get a bit of a frame of reference. And so next time, maybe tomorrow, maybe today even, start to track how much water you're actually drinking and you don't have to be neurotic about it but just have an idea you'll notice as well perhaps this has a big effect on how you feel on how you poop on how you sweat perhaps even on how deeply you breathe there's more hydration inside then your body's more open to taking in hydrated air from outside but if you're dehydrated your body won't want to breathe because as you exhale you're losing moisture in the form of air vapor, you see that? And so all of these systems start to get so intertwined. And as we gan, as we say in Indonesia, and as we improve or as we fix certain elements, we fix all of the elements. And that's what's really exciting when this works as a web or a wheel of life, of health. All right? So definitely, here we are. Uh, this is, I mean, I would say that was probably a statistic of like 85, 90% of you do not go to the toilet as much as you need to. And that's the statistic that I found worldwide, about 80% or perhaps more of the world today is constipated. Constipation being removing less than you're eating. And so right there, there's a big old fail, and I love you, I'm not saying that you failed in a bad way, I'm just saying that our main systems of detoxification and elimination, which the Guardian article said that we have in our body, right? We have them for sure. They're just not working as well as they need to be or as well as we're meant to have them work. Does that make sense? All right. So the last system of elimination is a bit of an invisible one. And it's one that doesn't directly, obviously, branch out into the outside. It is indeed the system of the lymph. And this is one of my favorite systems in the body. In fact, I'm planning to give a lecture only on the lymph. Maybe that'll be in September. So those of you here for a while, please come back. We're trying to really create a lecture series that takes one from one week to another. And in the lymphatic system, what we're working with here is the internal water. Yeah, when you drink water in your body, and we say, of course, you guys know how much of your body is water? Yeah, so we just got all different kinds of percentages there, anywhere from 60 to 90%. And that's fluctuating depending upon how hydrated or dehydrated you are, depending upon if you're living in Singapore or if you're living in Alaska, right? For sure, And so, but 60 to 90%, that's more than most. Right? You are mis- mostly, more than mostly, made up of water. And that's not like you have bottles of water walking around in your arms or your legs. That's not how it works. The water inside of your body is normally transferred or absorbed into your circulatory system, which is made up of your blood and your lymph. Okay? And so blood, for sure, is going to hold within it any kind of toxicity, perhaps. And the lymph is definitely also... And the blood is also, mind you, to circulate the oxygen that you breathe in and return the carbon dioxide that you breathe out, along with any toxicity from the cells. That's why it has toxins in it. But your lymph is a wonderful immune system of the body. The lymphatic system is actually the only system in the body without a pump of the circulatory systems. And so how do you think the lymph fluid is supposed to be pumped? Huh? Muscles, okay, a little bit. That's more to do with with blood, but when we... Engage our muscles, right? When we use our muscles, what are we doing? Moving! Exactly! The lymphatic system in humans is meant to be pumped by our own human movement, right? In all different directions, there's dynamic movement, up and down, and side to side, and back and forth. And we find that through this movement, we are able to circulate the lymph. And the lymph, I like to think of it as like a SWAT team. It's your protector. And so we see lymph nodes at crucial parts of the body, for example, the tonsils. Who doesn't have their tonsils anymore? Oh, good, that's really not a lot of you. Fantastic, so the rest of you, never let them take out your tonsils. If you have tonsillitis or recurring ear infections or sinus infections or head infections or throat infections, please simply go on a fasting regimen and check in with your diet and your colon. That'll get you much farther than ever just removing the security guard. And so, right here we have our tonsils, right? We also have lymph nodes here in the neck. These tend to get swollen when you're sick. Often they're filled with bacterial fluid, right, that the body's a bit overwhelmed by and trying to get rid of. Lymph nodes then surround all other parts of your body, the main uh, kind of apexes underneath the armpits and at the groin area, these are really important parts of our lymphatic system. Also, here around the solar plexus, right, this is. A lymph hotspot and that branches out to all different parts of the intestinal system right because the intestines are very related to this fluid absorption through the lymph and so what we find is that when we are dehydrated inherently we have a backed up lymph and guess what I already told you that most people in the world today are constipated well that's because most people in the world today are dehydrated So simply by hydrating, you see that, we're solving all of these problems. We're also breathing deeper, all of these other, yeah. So, okay, I could give a whole lecture on how hydration is all we need, but I'll save that for another time too. We start to see that as we move the lymph, And that includes not only our physical movement. Yoga asana is one of the most dynamic movements that we've found today. It's unlike really any other kind of exercise science. And so that's one of the reasons it's becoming so popular. As we move the lymph, we circulate through the body all of these fluids. We allow for a recharge, a detoxification internally so that the lymph toxicity can either be dumped into the colon, right? The appendix, that's actually part of your lymphatic system as well or it can be breathed out, right? Or it can be sweat out. This dry skin brush that I mentioned earlier is actually stimulating our outer lymph. We have two lymph systems, the outer lymph and the inner lymph. And often one or the other or both is stagnant in human beings. And you can see this uh, at really a microscopic level. If your skin doesn't look like it's tight or in good condition, right? Or If your skin looks dull, then perhaps your outer lymph is a bit stagnant and dry skin brushing will help to stimulate that flow. It kind of hurts when you first start it, right? And then you can also tell the lymphatic fluids in the body, how they're draining or not. For example, if you feel like you're holding a lot of water or if your ankles are really thick, right? This is a sign that the lymphatic fluid is not flowing as freely as it needs to. And so this takes us back to the solution, hydration and dynamic movement. Doing things like inversions, making your head lower than your heart, having your feet above the level of your hips, or your heart and head. One of the most amazing things that we could do to not only drain lymphatic fluid, but also turn the body upside down. It's Just like if you were emptying something, you know, detoxifying your change star, flip it over. One of the most amazing things we could do to our human body, empty the pockets that have stored certain kinds of toxicity. So here we have it, the fifth system. Definitely the lymphatic system cannot be working as well as it could if it's dehydrated. And more often than not, if it's acidic in nature. And so acidity and alkalinity is a whole nother lecture, but we're constantly giving our body pH signals. And so pH is potent hertz. And it's a measure of acidity or basicness, alkalinity in any kind of aqueous solution liquid. And so, acidic things are the things that you know are bad for you. It's like alcohol, coffee, junk food, right? Animal products, certain grains, things that are fried. These are all acidifying in the body. And if the lymph tends to be too acidic, then we result in having overall acidosis in the body. And that's really breeding ground for disease. The other side of this are things that are alkaline. And these are fruits, vegetables, right? Spring water, definitely alkaline. Human blood, also. Alkaline. And so when we're taking in all of these alkaline things, that's creating an alkaline environment in the body. And so if I could summarize to you my dietary advice in one sentence, I would say, eat more fruits and vegetables. It's as simple as that. I know you've never heard that before. (laughs) Way more. Whatever you think more is, three times that amount. And that'll do wonders for hydration. And it'll also do wonders for alkalinity and the recharging and recycling through the lymph. All right, so we have these systems in our body. And if The Guardian were to write me and ask me and interview me what I thought about their article on detoxification, I would tell them that they're definitely right, that the human body definitely has these systems of elimination built in. But the thing is, today, we're not using them as much as we need to be. Just because you have a system in place, if you don't use it, that doesn't mean the system works. So what we find is that an intelligent detoxification program is not one that you get in the mail. An intelligent detoxification program is one that's going to incorporate all systems of elimination. It's going to target the colon. It's going to require that you drink way more water. It's going to require certain movement practices like yoga. It's going to teach you certain breathing exercises like pranayama, these yogic breathing techniques to detoxify. It's going to have things in it like tongue scraping or dry skin brushing to stimulate the body's natural forces of removal. Because yes, the body has these detoxification pathways built in. But unfortunately, we're not using them as much as we need to be or could be, especially for as much toxicity as we're taking in in the 21st century. All right, so that's all I have to say. Do you guys have any questions? We have, I can't really tell what time it is. I think we have five minutes left. Shoot them at me, with love. Anybody? No questions? All right, Ernest. How about what? what? Tear ducts. Tear ducts, yeah. So the tear ducts is um, a really interesting one. It's definitely not our main pathway of elimination because we're not using it all the time, often it takes some kind of uh, invader. So if you get something in your eye, quite often you'll notice the eye is watering up. And this has, it's related more or less to the lymphatic system, not directly, but it's the same mechanism where our body is secreting something to protect us. So can you remember the last thing you got, last time you got something in your eye? I totally remember, it was the other night driving. Right, What, what ended up happening was my eye started tearing up. Maybe it got a little red and irritated as there was more blood flow to the area, excess blood flow bringing oxygen, life force energy to heal whatever was wrong, right? And definitely the tear duct would start to release. So it has this one function of lubrication or hydration. And so sometimes you'll see people with dry eyes, right? Who don't have the ability to lubricate or hydrate their eyes. This happens quite often in older women today. They'll have dry eyes, even older men as well. It's not a gender thing. Well, guess what? Those people are dehydrated, right? It comes from inside. Same thing as the moisturizer. All right, so that's part of it, the responsibility of the tear duct. However, tears themselves, which of course we know are a kind of a salt water. It's similar to our sweat and composition. But tears have been studied and chemically analyzed to show that they contain toxicity. And so I tell this all the time to my detoxers on our detox retreat when people cry, because we're doing a lot of emotional work as well. When you're crying, you're actually detoxifying. And so yes, perhaps we could make an argument, although I don't think I'd be the one who would want to make this argument, but we could make an argument that people today are not using this pathway of detoxification as much as we could be because we're not perhaps so in touch with our emotional selves. More often than not, people are quite out of balance with their emotions. Do you agree with that? Am I making a gross oversimplification or statement? I'm talking about like modern world people, not us. You know, those people out there. All right, it's a great question. Yes. How long do you have to pass or do like cleanse in order to get help? I love this question. Yeah. So her question is a general and simple and really good starter question about fasting, and it's, how long do you have to fast in order to get benefits? Well, it depends on what the benefits are, all right? So first of all, any amount of time is beneficial. I, I always tell people that fasting is like a muscle. It's like building a muscle, all right? First, you pick up five kilos and that feels heavy. Then you pick it up a few more times until that feels light. And then you can pick up 10 kilos, that feels heavy, and do that a few more times until that feels light. Fasting is the same. So if you've never done any fasting in your life, you've never never not eaten a meal or not eaten for a day in your life, that's the place to start. To wake up and have water for breakfast. Maybe you could have a green juice later in the morning, something like that. And then you get to lunch and you see how it goes. What you've done there is you've actually extended the fast that you were on naturally anyway through sleeping, through half of the day and you've allowed your system a chance to rest. Now this isn't a full on fledged fast, of course, but it's going a certain period of time without eating solid fibrous matter, which we can define as a fast. All right, after you do that and you're comfortable with that, you can do it a few more times, maybe experiment, and then maybe you go all the way until dinner without eating. All right? And not in an imbalanced psychological or emotional way, in a way that you're inviting your body to rest because our body's made to go through cycles of feast, and famine and feast and famine. Fasting is programmed into our DNA, but today we only have feast. And so when we give our body this much needed rest, all of the sudden it gets to do the house cleaning and the other things, it gets to process the food from the day before that it would be too overwhelmed to do normally. So all of that is beneficial, right? The body's doing ketchup. If you're talking about a fast where we're getting deeper, it takes a period of three days for the digestive system to slowly shut off and shut down completely. And over those three days, what ends up happening is that by afternoon of day three, you feel fantastic. right? You feel vital. You feel not hungry. And when the digestive system itself shuts off, it's because all of the energy has gone elsewhere. right? And it's gone to healing and detoxifying at the cells. And that's what we're really talking about as a fast. That's why the minimum amount of time that we host people for fasting programs is three days. right? But you can definitely get much more done and get deeper and more effective and efficient the longer that you are on a fast. Does that make sense? So there's no clear answer to your question. A one-day fast is going to give yourself, uh, or your body specifically, a chance to get back on its own two feet again, a chance to finish processing, and a bit of a cleaner start. Right? It's really a minimum of a three-day fast if you want to start to get into cellular cleansing and deeper detoxification. All right? And then when we're talking about fasting, we're actually really talking about longer. And the human body thrives and survives. You remember how long my cleansers from this morning? 40 to 50 days on water alone. Yeah, That's a long time. So you're capable of so much more than you ever believed. So I'll leave you with that tonight. Um, for any of you who have other questions, please don't hesitate to write me. I have a Facebook page so that the conversation can continue. And so come up here and take a picture of of this image, and then you can go ahead and, and join me later there. And I answer all the messages on here personally. It's actually the only way that you can contact me. And so um, I post here every day, a few times per day, new studies on health and new information, reminders about things like we've talked about tonight. Um, so come and join me there. We also have the three-day foundation cleanse program, and I think we might have one or two spots left to start tomorrow. And so if you feel like this is the time and you're ready to jump in, dive in, and, and change your life and learn from your body, you can join us tomorrow or a future week. I'll leave some posters here for that. Uh, we also have the seven-day detox retreat, which the next one is from September, uh, August, pardon, August. 19th, thank you, Eva. That's our awesome detox department intern back there. She's a rock star and she can answer any any other questions you guys have. Um, I didn't mention about colonics, I said I would, but colon hydrotherapy, as we practice it here today, is the most effective. Method of detoxification that I've seen anywhere in the world and I've been researching for more than 10 years I have things that you can take in this and that, but to be able to release your cecum Which is the blind end of the bowel. It's the most toxic part of this lower bin rubbish bin To be able to release that it's roughly equivalent to one year of your life in toxins and so that's pretty efficient if you can get in and do some colonics and get to detoxify that deeply of course when your body releases that it goes ahead and fills it back up with all other toxins that have been stored in other parts of your body and so it's a continual process this isn't just like come for a three-day cleanse and be cleansed for life this is something where we start to learn how to get up on our own two feet and continue to stimulate these methods of elimination in our daily life so that we don't need such frequent detox periods because our life becomes cleansing Awesome. The last thing is a mailing list. So you guys can come up here and write your name, write your email, and write the country you're from. And if you want to write any other comments or requests for future lectures, you're welcome to do so. This is for my mailing list. I send out a a newsletter. I try once every month with notes from lectures like these. And I'm this, I'm recording tonight, I don't know if I messed up the recording, but I'm starting a podcast series so that when you guys are far across the world, you can stay tapped in, and uh, I'll, I'll release these lectures and stuff so you can have them for free. So come up here and write uh, your name and your email and stuff like that. And don't forget uh, to drink more water and feel more. And don't forget that you guys are beautiful, amazing. Just be more conscious. So thank you so much. I'll see you again soon. Incredible people, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body's signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.